We are continuing on in our journey through this year of prayer. It's hard to believe we're two months into it, right? And uh, I don't know about you. I hope it is true, but I will say this, that this has changed me. This journey in prayer has changed uh, me. As I'm memorizing Scripture and praying it, as I am uh, being more diligent about my prayer life with my own wife, uh, I, as I'm memorizing Scripture and then praying it back to the Lord, I, um, I'm finding it changing me from the inside out. I won't tell you the details of it because, frankly, it's a little bit embarrassing, but a couple of weeks ago there was an incident that I can, in the past, I can imagine an eye-rolling, snarky response that would have been quick to jump either to my brain, but maybe to my lips. Instead, I, I, there was a, a sense of compassion that came and a sense of mercy that came, and I know it's because what God is, has wrought in me through a, a greater discipline in prayer. I will also tell you that two weeks ago, we began to see the unfolding of an answer to prayer that we have been offering up for four years. So whatever it's doing for you, prayer is changing my life. And I hope it's doing it for you too. Of course, it won't be doing it if you're not doing it. And so I wonder what steps you're taking to begin to be more diligent in your own prayer life. Maybe it's what I like to call the pillow prayers where you awaken to prayer. You don't lift your head from the pillow until you thank God for the day that's before you, or where you put your head onto the pillow and you, and you don't end your day before you say, God, thank you for this day. Forgive me what I didn't do right, and, and thank you for what you did. Maybe you begin to try the prayer walks that I talk about, as Cindy and I have been so blessed by, where you walk and you talk and you actually pray as you're walking. It's, just tra- it's changed our prayer life together. You walk, you talk, and then you pray about what you just talked about and keep walking. It's so simple. Maybe you're signed up for our prayer retreat. A bunch of you are, but if you're not, you better get on it because we are sell, we're going to sell out. A prayer retreat, a day-long prayer retreat that changed our pastors' lives, really, and I invite you to sign up for that November 5th. You can go online to, to do that. So these are simple things. Or maybe you've decided to take a gutsier approach to prayer as our high school students did. We have a group of Gig Harbor High School students. They, uh, they call themselves nomads, which stands for No More Average Disciples. And uh, they are meeting after school, they are praying, they are praying for their school, for their friends, sharing their faith. Uh, I was invited to come over a, a few weeks ago and pray with them because they were feeling like the Lord was calling them to do something that was kind of outside the box and outside of their comfort zone. And so I did, I came over and I prayed. Here's what they felt the Lord was calling them to do, to go down to the Tacoma Mall and to walk around and to pray, and to notice the people that were there, and invite those that the Lord led to them to pray. They were going to walk up to strangers and said, would you, could we pray for you? And of course, many were told no, but every single one of those young people, and I think there were about eight of them, or ten of them, every single one had prayed for at least one person in the, in the walkways of Tacoma Mall. Now, when you hear that, I'll bet the idea of taking a prayer walk with your spouse sounds less intimidating than it used to. Am I right? Let's see. Total strangers in the mall are praying with my wife. I think I can pull this one off, right? Doesn't it make you proud of our young brothers and sisters in Christ who are kind of leading the way? It does me too. So 
I think prayer is going to be changing us. We're, we're continuing this morning in our journey through the prayer of prayers. You know, sometimes we cover, as we did last year, great swaths of Scripture. We've decided to just stew in this passage of Scripture for several weeks. It's the prayer of prayers. It's the prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, which Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6. You're welcome to turn there. I'll bet you know the words anyhow, but uh, it will be an opportunity for you to turn back and reflect on what I'm preaching on. So if you want to turn there, fine. If not, just listen as I share with you once again the prayer of prayers, the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6 verse 9. Pray then like this, Jesus said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord's Prayer is divided, as you likely know, because all of you are such great Bible scholars, it's divided into seven petitions, seven petitions. And this morning we come to the middle point, smack dab in the middle, give us this day our daily bread. Three on the front of that, three on the back of that, this is right in the middle. Tim Keller calls this the, um, the gimme prayer. Uh, the petition that we know also is supplication, saying, Lord, would you give us some stuff? Give us this daily bread. And, and really, uh, this is the form of prayer with which we are most comfortable, probably most familiar, isn't it? Even if you're not much of a prayer, when you've been in the foxhole, when you've been in the hospital room, uh, when you've been in trouble, we know how to say, God, would you please give me this? Would you please help me with this? And that's what this prayer is. It's known as supplication. Um, but Jesus doesn't start there. Have you noticed that? I mean, that which is the most comfortable prayer to us is not where Jesus starts. As a matter of fact, Jesus doesn't even allow us to turn our attention to ourselves at the first. We spend the first three petitions focused not on us, but on God, right? Our first three prayers are to the Lord, and we pray these three things. Petition one is, hallowed be thy name. Petition two is what? Thy kingdom come. Petition three, thy will be done. Our focus in the first part of the prayer is not on us, on our needs. It is on the Lord. By the way, I think there's a reason for this. If we do not believe that God is a good and loving Father, our Father, if we do not believe that He is holy, if we do not believe that His kingdom will come and is coming, if we do not believe that His will will be done no matter what, then what confidence can we have that when we turn our needs to him that he's going to be able to do anything about it jesus starts by reminding us who god is how powerful god is what god is about so that when we come to praying for the stuff we need from him we have confidence that he can really come through for us doesn't that make sense so we start with affirming who god is what he can do what he's about his will being done and then we turn and say okay god here's the stuff i need from you and he asked, we ask four things in the prayers that we're going to be looking at. We ask him to meet our needs, to forgive our sins, to lead us away from temptation, and to protect us from the devil. Those are four really good prayers. Meet our needs, forgive our sins, 
lead us away from temptation, and protect us from the devil. Those four prayers we might call provision, forgiveness, guidance, and protection. And the starting point is this. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, There are some scholars who say what that's really alluding to is Jesus, the bread of heaven. I don't think that's what it alludes to here. It does in Matthew and, and John and other places. I think right here Jesus is saying bread. And the word actually that's used for bread can mean basically all of the necessities of life. So I think Jesus in his kindness is saying, okay, pray and ask the Father for your daily bread. That's where he's starting. The problem is when we pray that prayer, we really don't mean it. When I say, God, give me my daily bread, I kind of skip over that one because I don't really think God needs to give me my bread. I kind of got that covered. When I say, uh, forgive me my my sins, our debts, I mean that one because I know I've I've done wrong and I need to be forgiven. When I say, um, uh, lead me uh, away from temptation, I, I mean that one because I know I need guidance. And when I say, protect me from the enemy, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from evil, I mean that because I know there's a real devil that is prowling around, wants to pounce on me, wants to destroy me, and so I know I need protection. But when I say, give me this day my daily bread, it's not like I think if you don't come through, I won't be able to find bread somewhere. Because I'll just go down to Maine and Vine. (laughs) Right? Or if I'm really hungry, I'll go to Costco and get the two-pack or the eight-pack or the 27-pack. <laughs> Organic and covered with every seed that has ever been grown on earth. <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about. And yet, I think if we take a closer look at this text that we have skipped over so often, it will convict us and it will inspire us. So would you do that with me this morning? I want to look at this prayer word by word. How's that for digging into the scriptures? We're going to work. What's the first word? Give. Give. Say give. Give is the uh, word of, I'll just leave this up here as a reminder. (laughs) Give is the word of dependence. Give is the word of dependence. When we pray to our God, give, we are confessing something that is very important for us rich Western American Christians to remember. And here it is. Everything I have comes from the hand of God. Everything I have comes from God's hand. Yes, even this. Everything comes from the hand of the Lord. I am completely dependent upon God's grace, upon his kindness, upon his generosity for everything in my life. We have a song that we sing once in a while. Some of you would like us to sing it more often than we do. And if you grew up Presbyterian, you probably sang it every week. It's a song called the doxology. How many know the doxology? Why don't we sing it together? Here we go. Praise God from whom all blessing. Here's your moment. Make harmony. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Every blessing, every good thing, Every kindness comes from the generous heart of God. It flows from the 
heart of God. That is what we are confessing when we sing that song. Including this loaf of bread. Really, including this loaf of bread. The question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that everything you have comes from the hand of God? For truly, it is, a, it is the providence and kindness of God that you and I were born here, that we won the genetic pool, that we were born here and not in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, isn't it? What part did you have in deciding that? So everything we have comes from God, but not everyone believes that. I, I, I remember a woman who did not believe that. I've shared this before, but I'll share it again because it's so breathtaking, it's worth repeating. It was in the early days of my ministry, and, and she came up to me in the hallway. She was a wealthy woman, and she said, No, you know, Pastor, you've been talking about how everything I have is a, is a, is a gift from God, but I don't buy that. My husband and I worked hard for everything that we have. God had nothing to do with it. It really was one of those moments when you wanted to step <laughs> away, because you were sure that was, you know... It is so blatant, you know, that even, that none of us can help but see the, the audacity of it. And, and yet some of us live, many of us live as if we agree with her. Some of us live as if we agree with her. When we pray give, we are praying, my loving, kind, gracious Heavenly Father, please, I am completely dependent upon you. And I acknowledge that. Apart from you, I can do nothing, and I'm so grateful for your kindness. So there, this, this prayer word, give, is really an antidote to self-sufficiency. When we pray this prayer and think about it, it is an antidote to self-sufficiency because we are humbling ourselves before the Lord and saying, please, God, will you blank and fill in the blank? Please, God, will you give me enough money to buy food for my family. Please, God, will you give me a place to live because I'm homeless. Please, God, will you heal that beloved of mine that's in the hospital room. Please, God, would you heal my marriage. Please, God, would you love my child who is walking away from you right now. Please, God, will you give me blank. I utterly depend upon you for everything in my life. Do you believe that? Pity if you don't. I hope you do. So that's the first word, give. The second word is what? Us. Yes, give us. Give us this day our daily bread. Us is the the word of compassion. It's the word of compassion. Notice it is plural. Jesus did not teach us to pray, give me this day my daily bread. He didn't teach us gimme, actually. He taught us give us. Give us. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, it reminds us that it is not enough that I am well fed or that my family is well fed as long as there are God's children who are not fed and who are cold and who are homeless, then the prayer has not yet been completely answered and I still have work to do as his kingdom ambassador. Dale Bruner, who is my favorite Matthew commentator, He says this at this point in the text. This petition should stick in the throat when prayed by a full Christian. Right? You understand what he's saying? This petition, give us this day our daily bread, should stick in our throats when it's being prayed by a full Christian. Because he goes on to say it reminds us of the wretched of the world. 
I'll bet most of us here today are full. And if, it's not, if you're not full, it's because you're dieting because you already ate too much and you're too fat. I'm not pointing fingers, just saying the truth. And this prayer word, us, 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 it is an antidote to selfishness. It reminds me that even though my needs are met, my wants are being met, as long as there are hungry and cold and sick and homeless people in the world, I am not done praying. And I ought not to be done giving, right? How can there be any response of God's children from a giving God other than to also be givers? This is an invitation to generosity, us. When I'm thinking about us, it's a call to generosity. If I pray for our daily bread and I have mine, but I'm not willing to buy some for those who don't have theirs, then isn't this an invitation to greater generosity on my part? And if, and if you are not among those who give faithfully of your resources back to God and God's work, doesn't it challenge you to ask, why am I not more generous? Why do, does it not come more naturally to me to give my tithes, to give my offerings back to the Lord in his service of his people? Why is that the case? Do I really believe that my needs are more important than everyone else's? Do I really believe that God loves American Christians more than he loves Haitian Christians? Or Syrian Christians? Or Cambodian Christians? Last week I invited you to join Cindy and me in giving something to the... Haiti Relief Fund. How many saw that email that went through? All eight of you. Do any of you own a computer? I'm just wondering. Well, I did. I asked you to help out with this Haitian relief for for Hurricane Matthew. And I'm I'm delighted to say that many of you did respond. We'll send off a check for a little more than $5,000 in aid uh, in addition to what we're doing through our mission fund. So thank you to you for your compassion. But it does make me wonder... If you did hear of that need, if you read my blog, uh, and it never crossed your mind to go over and touch that link and send even a buck to these wretched souls, then maybe it means that you need to reflect a little bit more on the second word of this petition, us. Maybe for you, it really is not about us. It is about you. And Jesus says, I want you to think more broadly than that. The third word is daily. This must be an important one to Jesus because he repeats himself. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, it's like he's, he's underscoring it. He's highlighting it. And I think this is the word of trust. I think daily is the word of trust. Trust in the predictable, repeatable faithfulness of God. Do I trust God enough to simply ask for what I need today? Since he gave it to me yesterday... Do I believe he'll give it to me today? Uh, When Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, the logistics must have been mind-boggling, right? Including, how is it that you feed these millions of souls in in a stark land that has no resources? Well, God had an idea, didn't he? And every morning when they came out of their tent, they would find spread upon the ground by the Lord this this flaky substance that was said to taste like a a coriander wafer mixed with honey. When the Israelites first saw this substance that morning, they said, what's this? Do you know what Hebrew for the words, what's this is? 
manna. Manna, what's this? God sent his bread from heaven every day, every day to care for them. And they were invited to just scoop it up and enjoy it, have everything you need for today. Everything you need to feed your family, you're welcome to do it. There was one thing, however, that they were told not to do, which was what? Don't store any away. Don't save it. Don't hoard it. Of course, as they always did, some decided to test God. They disobeyed him. They socked away a little extra just in case. And of course, this is what happened. We read in Exodus 16. Some left part of it till the morning and it bred worms and stank. How'd you like to open your cornflakes and find that little surprise waiting for you in the morning? Wormy, stinky cornflakes. God gave them enough bread for that day only. For that day only. It was their daily bread. And I think this word daily, twice mentioned, is an antidote. It's an antidote to hoarding. It encourages us to trust that the God who met our needs yesterday and who met my needs today can be counted on to meet them tomorrow too. And I would say this is probably the prayer word that convicts me the most. I shared with you that Cindy and I last May sold our house of 28 years and we moved into a, a smaller flat. And I will tell you, it is lovely and it is simple and it's easy to care for. Or maybe I should say it's easy for Cindy to care for because she's <laughs> But I help a little. It's, sim- it's, it's nice and it's lovely. And I find that really I am at peace at the simplicity of our life. I'm at peace at what we have right now. We got everything we need. But as I was thinking about that and what we should do going forward, I realized I do not have the same kind of peace about tomorrow. I realized that I think still, even though I'm very content with what I have right now, I still think a lot about the future. Have I prepared well enough? Have I saved enough? Should I invest a little more shrewdly? Am I missing the point by not reinvesting it? Blah, 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 blah. And I realized as I've been thinking in this season of my life, that this is a not a, a da- I'm not trusting the Lord in a daily sort of way. I am anxious about this future. I'm concerned about this future. Now, it, it's, there's nothing wrong with saving. There's nothing wrong with preparing for your future. In fact, the Proverbs have a, a word to describe the person who doesn't do that, which is what? Fool, yeah. Proverbs calls that person a fool, but there's a difference between saving your wealth as a good steward and hoarding your wealth as a stingy Scrooge. I hope I'm not a stingy Scrooge because I, I want to give, but I do find that I align myself with the hearts of the Israelites at time, wondering if God will really come through for me tomorrow. Shame on me. And maybe there's some of you that are struggling a little bit with that, then we need to pray, give us this day our daily, daily bread. The last word is bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And I think that this is a prayer word of simplicity. Jesus didn't teach us, give us this day our daily cake. Give us this day our daily lobster. Give us this day our daily ribeye, which is my personal favorite. Lots of fat, which takes us back to the earlier conversation. (laughs) He said, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't enjoy cake or 
lobster or ribeye when we are blessed with it, but it does mean, I think, I think it means that we should learn to be content with less and with simpler. One of the great things about downsizing, as we've been forced to do, is that you have to live more simply. And even now that we've gotten into the habit of that downsizing and decluttering, I find myself opening a drawer that seems overly stuffed with shirts, and I say, i got to get rid of more. I don't need all of this stuff. I, I need to give more of this stuff away. And I would just ask you, how can that possibly be anything but a good thing? For us Western rich Christians to ask ourselves this question, what would it mean for me to live more simply? How can that be anything but a good thing for every one of us? The prayer word here, bread, I think it's an antidote to greed. And, and let's face it, we are a greedy culture. We gobble up a huge share of the world's resources, vastly disproportionate to our population. When a, people come to visit us from overseas, they, they are gobsmacked, if I could use an overseas word, they are just gobsmacked at the wealth, the prosperity that we take utterly for granted. Frankly, both of our presidential candidates are a reflection of our culture because I think they're both greedy people. But before we wag our fingers too wildly at them, and we're tempted to, it might be worth thinking of this. When was the last time you said, you know what, I have enough. I really don't need any more. I think I'm going to give more stuff away. Surely when we pray, God, give us this day our daily bread. Surely such a prayer is a way for us as Christ followers to swim against the greed tide. To live more simply and to live more generously and more contentedly. So here's an idea. John the Baptist threw this one out to his listeners. It might work for us. He said, if you got two of something, give one away. What would happen if all of us went home? Uh, heated by the passion of this rhetoric. We all went home, and, um, and we began to look around for duplicates in our house. If we got two, two raincoats, we're going to give one to the food bank. Got two red shirts, give one away. How could you possibly need two red shirts? Um, if you've got two uh, coffee makers, you give one away. I mean, it's such a simple thing, but the only way to fight greed is to live more generously. You realize that, right? You don't fight greed by getting more You fight greed by having less, by giving it away so that it can't take control of you. So give us this day our daily bread, dependent and compassionate and trusting and simple. Those are the three jewels that are hidden in that simple and oft quickly prayed petition. And this is truly a countercultural call to life, isn't it, for us? But you know how it is possible for us to live in such a countercultural way, especially in, in such a wealthy environment? It's when we return to the very first two words of the Lord's Prayer. Remember those two words? Our Father. When we remember that we have a good, loving Father who wants to give us good gifts, who wants to give us His Holy Spirit, who wants to equip us to live as his kingdom ambassadors, who, if, if we really believe in that Father, it frees us up to live like this, to pray this prayer and really mean it. We are living in a time of political unrest. I hear it from all of you. 
Everyone is anxious. Some are despairing. And I get it. I I feel some of those things too. So I have two words for all of us. Stop it. Stop it. Stop your anxiety. Stop your despair. Stop your woe-begone looks. We have a loving, giving, trustworthy, compassionate Father on the throne. And in the end, truly, really, truly, it does not matter who sits in the Oval Office. Because our Father sits on His throne, and His kingdom will come, and His will will be done. And our Father will, in fact, give us this day and every day all that we need. I was going to say, if you believe that, say amen, but you just... (laughs) You just did. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are... uh, you care about us. Thank you that these needs of our life, uh, they are not lost on you. You know that we need them, and you want to give them to us, but you want us to relax in them. We, you want us to trust you. You want us to believe that you are a good daddy, and that day by day, you will meet every need that we have. So Lord, we pray these prayers again, this, this, these words again. Give us this day our daily bread. We, uh, we confess that you are utterly dependable and we are utterly dependent. We, we pray, Lord, that we might be more compassionate so that we think not only of our own needs but the needs of others. We pray that we would be more trusting, that we would believe you day by day and not that somehow, for some unknown reason, your faithfulness will just be cut off. And we pray that we might be more simple in our longings, in our wishes, in our aspirations, that we would live more simply, more modestly, more contentedly, that others might have some of what we possess. And Lord, we can pray all of these things because you are our loving Father. We adore you. We thank you for all that you give to us. And we pray these prayers in the name of Jesus.